Father, I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of God. I just give you praise, Lord. You are more than able, Lord, to meet the needs here today. And I just thank you, Lord. It's a comforting thing, Lord, to come into the presence of an almighty king that has it all within, within wrapped up in what you're wanting to do. I thank you, Lord, that you help me today, God, to unwrap the present that you've given us, Lord, which is your presence. Help me, Lord, to unwrap the word of God and to be able to present the word of God as you would want it presented this day, Lord. And I give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to just share with you a couple of thoughts. And I kind of want to back up, kind of give you a background of some things that um, the Lord has been kind of working inside of me. And um, then I'll share some things. And I've really... I won't say struggled. I knew what I was going to speak on, but there's some measure of caution inside of me on how I present this right here because it, it depends on how you take it. And my goal and my, my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit would speak more than I say, that he would take what I'm saying and speak it into your life and that you know it would be a, a Holy Spirit conveying of the truth. So I, a, few week, a couple weeks ago, I had an experience in my office I, I do taxes now and I was in the tax office it was late at night and basically it come to one of those places where I just shut the door and it was I don't know sometime or another nine o'clock at nine or something and I shut the door and I was working on some stuff and I had some things going on on my phone and I was listening to some stuff and I had a really unique experience that I don't know that I've ever had before I was just sitting there and I had been praying about and thinking about certain things just in relation to whatever God wants you to do and how he wants you to flow and how he wants me to flow. And that was, that was kind of where I was at with it. And then thinking about some truths regarding how God moves. And the Lord asked me a question. And when he asked me this question, I immediately recognized I didn't know everything that I thought I knew. And he said to me, when I was sitting there, I was thinking about some things, and he said, he asked me, he said, will you walk in the strange things of God? And I was sitting there, and I was thinking, okay, I'm not sure I know exactly what that means. I understand some of it, but I don't understand a lot of it. Evidently, I don't, because I was asked this question. If I had known, he would have given me a different phrase, but I knew I didn't know. And and I just pondered on that, and it really has begun to be something that has changed my life because what it has done is begin to upset the way in which I think God should move. And it really is, that's the, that's the message I want to give you today, is that are you mo moving in life with a certain expectation as to how God will use you? And then anything outside that expectation, you seem to kind of back away from. Okay? I began to look up in Scripture, and one of the Scriptures I looked up was in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 8. And I'm going to give you the, uh, the NI, I think it's the New King James Version. Wait a minute, let me get to the right Scripture. All right, hold on, let's go back. Um, let's go to... Luke chapter 5, verse 22, I'm sorry. So one of the scriptures that I saw, that the first scripture I saw after having this experience with the Lord, and I felt like the Lord was having a dialogue with me about some things, and some of it's personal and I won't get into, but this is the story where Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees were there, 
the rulers were there, and he was teaching in the synagogue. And we all know this story, how the people brought a man to him, and he was, a, he was paralyzed. And when they couldn't get him in through the door, they decided they'd go through the roof. And they let him down in front of Jesus. And then we're going to look at the story. It says when, in verse 20, in verse, uh, Luke 5, verse 20, he says, When he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. <clears throat> and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? And who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? And he says, Which is easier to say, Your sins forgiven you, or, I, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, and take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. And that was the first scripture that, that I found when I started looking at this after having that, that dialogue, I'll say that. And I saw something here I'd never seen before. The Bible says that they reason, and I think King James or some other version says they reason among themselves in, in one of the other stories. And I began to think about that. What, what was he talking about? What was he talking about when he said he perceived their thoughts? And it, when you really look at it, the word perceived, from the root word, it means to perceive with the mind, to think about and ponder. One side little thing here, when the, when the lady um, had the issue of blood, and Jesus went through and she touched the garment and she said she felt in her body that she was healed. One of the words there is actually a word that you use for perceived. And it was, it was a good meaning, I thought. It says, it says to have the effect of experience, it it's, 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 it's represents knowledge as the effect of experience. So it's something that you experience that, that causes you to have a knowledge. Okay, And that's what happened to that woman. She experienced healing, and it caused her, she recognized it in her body. Well, taking that to a, a spiritual level where Jesus, he said he, he perceived their thoughts. He perceived their thoughts. I just want you to just take a moment and think about that for a second. There are several different times in scriptures where Jesus preached sermons based on the very fact that he perceived their thoughts. He didn't hear them say anything. He did not hear them say anything. He walked into a room and suddenly he became aware of things that were going on and then he begins to speak and answers their thoughts. The Bible says that they reasoned among themselves. They didn't reason among, like, I'm talking to Cecile, I'm, I'm talking to Chris. That's not the reasoning that we're talking about. They were reasoning among themselves. They were intellectually beginning to reason out what Jesus had just done and suddenly Jesus walks in and he is aware of their thoughts and suddenly he begins to speak. That's the picture I want you to get. I want you to begin to understand that this thing about what Jesus was doing was not answering the words. You see, as the body of Christ, we need to begin to understand that God is alive and well in the earth and can use you in ways that you don't even know. You ever walked into a conversation and didn't know why you wanted to say some things? It might be God was trying to use you. Might be. I don't know. 
I went through and did some scriptures, and I don't know that I'm going to get to all of them. I did write down some meanings here. One of the meanings of some of the words that I was looking at is knowledge not obtained by mere intellectual activity, but by operation of the Holy Spirit. But by operation of the Holy Spirit. To take in knowledge, to come to full, recognize, and understand, to understand completely. I want us to understand how God begins to... I tell you what, I'm going to use this as an example. So, the Holy Spirit inside of you, He can do things that you don't have any idea that He can do. You don't have to be always knowledgeable about what He's doing and how He's using you. You see, sometimes we get into this place and suddenly we get... I don't know, what do you call that stuff? Pride, a little bit. <laughs> you know, God starts using it and all of a sudden we're in this place of pride. But sometimes God can use you in strange ways and you don't even know about it. Sometimes he'll use you in strange ways and you will know about it. Either way, it makes no difference. And I don't even know why I'm even coming to this place of teaching you this morning and even bringing this to you. Even for me right now, it's a strange thing for me to bring this message like this, this way. One of the things that I want to share with you about was, do you, are you, and I'm speaking, I'm I'm going to speak on different levels, so I want to speak first of all, and this is because it challenged me. If you're a person that has a five-fold ministry call on your life, I want you to listen intently to what I'm saying, Okay? Because there's something here for you. If you're anybody in here that's doing any ministry, please listen intently to what I'm saying. Because this is the thing. We don't realize how much we put God in a box. We put God in a box. We see someone do something in the five-fold ministry and that suddenly projects to us the protocol. And all of a sudden, we don't realize that God could use us in some other way. He could use us in some other way. We don't even open up the door to allow God to use us. We back away from it. Let me just share a story with you. I, I was listening to something this week. It was really interesting. Um, this gentleman was, was speaking, and he was telling his story. And I thought it was an amazing story. It was one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. And this guy was telling, said he had a minister friend, and, 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 and they were traveling ministers, and he had turned this guy on to this church. He called the pastor and says, I think you need to get this guy. So this guy goes up, he goes over there, and he's preaching. Well, in that service, they had a nice revival, great revival, power of God moving. It was a bigger church. And it was, it was able to, to bring in people of, of different calibers. In other words, you, didn't, you, you, could, you could afford to bring them in. So this church had had the blessings of God in, in, in regards to bringing in men that, that, were, that were knowledgeable and that was famous. Big church. And he said he was up there preaching. He said and there was this 16-year-old guy that was in the church. And every time that they had a revival, this 16-year-old would get up in the middle of the sermon go out the door, go get his skateboard and start skating. And his parents didn't force him to stay in the service. Okay, well, you think that's right or wrong, I'm not going there. But anyway, um, so in the middle of this service, this guy does that. He had done that every night. He was hard. He had heard the best of ministers. And they were there one night, and then during this, this thing that was going on in the service, the Lord spoke to this gentleman that was there. And this gentleman was a guy that had given all to this service. 
he had given he had given his money. He didn't have any more to give. And while he was there, the Lord spoke to this guy and said, I want you to give into my kingdom when this offering right here comes around. And this guy was literally in tears. And he said, Lord, I can't give anymore. I don't have anything else to give. He says, I'm, I'm totally out of it. I don't, I've given everything. You know what my bank account looks like. I don't have anything else to give. He sat there for a little while longer. And the Lord spoke to him again and said, I want you to give into my kingdom tonight. And he sat there and he was with tears. And he says, God, I don't know what to do. I don't have anything else to give. The third time the Lord spoke to him and says, I want you to give into my kingdom tonight. He was a painter by trade. In the middle of the service, while he's sitting there and the man's preaching and everything's going on, he gets up, goes out the door, and go gets in his truck and goes home and gets his last thing that he has. It's a 40-foot ladder. He gets that 40-foot ladder, puts it in the back of his truck, drives back to the church, and then comes walking down that big church with that 40-foot ladder. And it was just like, clang, clang. Can't miss it. Hundreds of people are looking at him and saying, what is this man doing? What is this man doing? He's bringing a 40-foot ladder in a church. What is he doing? He's just bringing that ladder, clang. Brum, brum, brum. You mean anybody ever, 40-foot ladder, you're not going to keep it silent. Aluminum ladder, okay? You're not going to keep it silent. He's just coming down the aisle, coming down the aisle. He goes up, lays that ladder on the altar. This guy's trying to preach. Now, don't go and get a ladder and start bringing it down here. That's not my, I want to show you something here. Just give me a minute, okay? He goes and lays that ladder, looks up to heaven, and said, this is for your kingdom. Goes back and sits down. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God just fell on the place. I'm going to use that term, it's old school, okay? So don't, don't get upset at that. He just, all of a sudden, people started coming up. They're giving their watches. They're taking their, 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 their necklaces off, their earrings, and they're putting their coats. Men are putting their coats up there. Some of them are emptying their walls. A spirit of giving came on that congregation. And it was just really strange. This guy that was preaching was just standing there looking at it. After everybody got through, this 16-year-old, Gets up, goes out to his car, to his parents' car, grabs his skateboard, comes down the aisle. They thought he was going to skate. Comes down the aisle, puts his skateboard on the altar. He said, this is for your kingdom. Gave his heart to Jesus. It's a strange way of being used. But it messed around with a 16-year-old. One man listened to God. He yielded to something that was so strange. He couldn't understand what it was. And all of a sudden, a 16-year-old came down and gave his skateboard. That skateboard was everything to that man, to that 16-year-old. That's all he did. That skateboard was everything. That ladder was the last thing that the man had to give. It was everything. It was his profession. He came down the aisle with a 40-foot ladder. God used a 40-foot ladder. To impact a 16 year old. That's strange man. That's out there. 
I'm not asking you to go get a 40-foot ladder. I'm not doing that. But there's a, there's a tie-in here. I want us to tie it in for a second because this is where, this is where God is, is, is ministering to me at. I got a phone call Friday afternoon. Actually, I got a text just like anybody else did. I, I called and was trying to find out about David's brother. I've got a, I got a confirmation yesterday that I would be speaking this morning. Let me tell you about ministers, okay? Usually they have a protocol. Protocol is this right here. I need some time to prepare. I need at least a day's notice. I threw that protocol out the door. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you prepared or are you paralyzed? Which one are you? Which one are you? The opportunity comes to you on a spur of the moment and suddenly you're, you're set in that place and you must either step away or step into what God is putting in your path. Which one are you? Are you prepared or are you paralyzed? I'll use this as an example. So my sons have done martial arts and most of you know that for many years now. Do you know that they go every week and, and they go through that ritual of just keeping themselves up. You just, you just keep on going. It's like going to the gym. If you're going to get any effects from the gym, you have to go to the gym. Okay? The gym doesn't come to you and change you. You have to go to the gym. I'm a living example. You need to go to the gym. Okay? And that's not because I'm going. I need to go with you. We need to go hand in hand into the gym. But one thing that I've understood is it's like running, okay? Being you run, you know what I'm talking about. If you stop running, you know what happens? You stop running. If you stop going to the gym, you stop seeing the result. If you stop training every week, suddenly you'll find yourself. You may remember some things, but you're not going to be as sharp. Your study time with God is your preparation time regardless of when the opportunity comes for you to speak. I got a notice just yesterday I would be speaking today. Didn't have one single clue about what I would share. I got a, I got a printer at, at a tax office. I'll use this right here as an example. I got a printer. It can do three or four or five things at one time. I mean, it's a fax. It's a, it's a scanner and it's a printer. The only thing I wanted from that printer is for it to print pages. Okay? I didn't care about anything else. I just need for it to print. When I hit the print button, I want to see pages popping out just like that right there. Okay, and so we, we bought a decent printer. It was several different functions it could do. I'm afraid that what we've done with the gift of God is the same thing I did with that printer. I only want one thing out of the printer. It's a gift inside of me. I only want to operate it in it one way. That gift that I got down there in the tax office can do more things than what I'm using it for, and I learned those things. And what I'm, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to use it in the time of crunch and I'm going to get done the work that I need to get done. But I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of other things that I can learn about that gift. And I think there's people here in this audience today, you have a gift. It might be that you serve. It might be that you do this or you do that. But is God trying to stretch you a little bit? Is He stretching you and bringing you to a place? Are you prepared or are you paralyzed 
You see, a lot of people look at it like, I can't sing unless I go to five practices. And I have three dreams and have five confirmations. Don't we do that sometimes? Don't take this the wrong way, okay? Please don't. But sometimes, I don't know why I'm here in this place right now. I don't know why I'm speaking what I'm speaking to you. I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm behind a veil almost, and I don't understand what is going on out here. But what I do know is the Holy Spirit is really messing me up. Okay? You get an opportunity to share the gospel. Do you step away from it, or do you step into it? Okay? Sometimes, let me go back to something about this printer. The reason why I don't use any more options on that printer is because I've not familiarized myself with the process. Many times, we know we have a gift, but we don't understand our process. We understand one part of the process. I can click the button and the pages come out, and that's what results are. Maybe God's trying to click another button. Maybe God's trying to turn something else on. So you can learn how to be multifaceted in what you're doing and your gifting as to who you are in the body of Christ. Maybe you're a person that feels like that when someone asks you to sing that you've got to have five practices to be able to do it. Or maybe God's just saying, I just want you to sing. I just want you to get up there and roll with it. That don't mean everybody goes to the choir, okay? You know the reason why they don't ask Mike Lewis to sing? All right, don't be ashamed of it. Some of you don't need to be asked neither. Go ahead on. Take that. We're all in that same boat. Everybody can't sing. I can't sing. I'm not about to go up there, okay? But what if you have that gift and God opens that door for you? What if you get the phone call on a Friday night that someone has passed away and I need you to sing in this funeral? What if you get that phone call? Are you going to step away because you're waiting for something to happen to lead you into the place of knowing whether or not you need to move into that capacity? Or are you going to move into it and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. You know, the first time you start clicking buttons on a new machine, you know what you do? You're a little bit hesitant. It's because you don't understand the process. You see, some of you have gifts, just like I have that gift setting beside my desk. And I don't understand all the process. It's not, it's not that you're lacking in the gift. You're lacking the understanding of the process. Now, I want to go back to this scripture right here. What you see in this scripture when, Jesus, when it said that Jesus perceived their thoughts, that was a process. It was a step. Let me just share it with you this way. I know the Lord has used me at times in, 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 in personal uh, encounters with people and uh, matter of fact it was just yesterday friday i had a gentleman in my office and uh, at nine o'clock we were sitting there he's a friend of mine and we were sitting there and i was punching the numbers in about 20 minutes into it i couldn't see the page no more the page just got blurry because all my thoughts were about where he was I couldn't see the page no more. I was just sitting there, and it was just there. It wasn't that I had five goosebumps. I had three visions or nothing like that. I didn't have all of that. I just had an experience where I just couldn't concentrate on the page any longer. 
And I looked at this gentleman and I said, I need to say some things to you. And I started speaking out of my heart. Just like that. I didn't have all the confirmations in place. I want you to get that. That's the process. You say, well, I could be wrong. Then learn from your mistake. <coughs> Don't take it as a failure. It's not a failure. It's a learning experience. I sat there and I shared with him about 20 minutes. I shared some things with him about where he was in spiritual relation to God and why things were happening in his life the way they were. And about 10 minutes later, he was sitting over there wiping a tear away from his eyes. But that, that, that result only happened because I stepped into a place that I hadn't always stepped in. I hadn't always been willing to step in that place. <coughs> I've told this story before, but the first time that it really occurred to me that God was using me in this way was just really, it was a powerful experience for me. It was last year when I, when I ministered to an 18-year-old. It was one of the most powerful things that had ever impacted me because I've, I realized that God was was basically was clocking her. And, and God, just to make, for those of you that may not have been here, but a, an 18-year-old girl with her mama was sitting there, and I was doing the taxes, and I don't know, an hour or so went by, and finally I knew before the end of that, that, that little episode there that I needed to speak to this 18-year-old. And so I just told the mom, I said, I knew I needed to speak to her. I'm just going to share this story. I know you've heard it time and time again, but it, it just so much messed me up. It just messed me up in a good way. Because I, I sat there, and, and when it was over with, and I gave her a package, I was sitting there, and I said, Lord, I need to ask permission. Because I knew inside of me, I perceived something about the structure of the family. And I knew in order for me to be able to be correct, I had to ask permission from the mom. Okay? And so I did. I, I sat there, and I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, this girl has to leave this room so I can talk to this mom. <clears throat> the very thought hit me and all of a sudden the girl just stood straight up in her seat and she looked at her mom she said, are we almost finished? And her mom said, yeah. She says, I'm going to go to the car. I'm still there. I'm looking at it. I'm like, God, what are you doing here, man? You're messing me up. You're messing me up. So I sit there and when she walks out the door, I look at the mom. I said, I need to speak to your daughter. Well, as I give her a package, I looked at her. I said, I need to speak to your daughter alone. And so I, she came back into the door. I closed the door. I looked at the daughter and tears went flowing and down through me. Just in a split second, it was just that, that quick. All of a sudden, I looked at her. I said, I don't do this a lot. I said, but I'm telling you right now, I need to speak with you. And I started telling her things. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to, began to do something in that room. And the atmosphere changed. And suddenly, I was telling her exactly where she was in relation to God. Exactly the things that she was thinking about. Exactly the, thing, the type of people she was hanging around with. Exactly where she was in relation to those people and the sins that they were committing. And suddenly, she just looked at me. She said, you don't know who I am. I said, but He does. She said, I can't believe you know these things. Now that seems to be elevating of me, but I want you to know I'm just your brother. That's all I am. But I simply walked into a place that suddenly the, the, the atmosphere changed around me. What was I going to do? 
Was I going to sit there and hold it? And say, God, I need three visions to confirm this. I need five people to come by and say this to me. I want you to know if I had sat there and waited for that, that opportunity would have left the room. It changed her life. I saw her this year. And that girl's life was changed. She went home. I didn't notice it this year. I didn't notice, but I thought about her all summer. I said, God, what are you doing in that girl's life? You did something in that room that day. I know you moved in that room. And that mom came back to me this, day, this, this season, tax season, to get her taxes done. This is what she told me. She said, I don't know what happened in this room. She said, I don't know. She said, she's not told me everything that happened in this room. She said, but she shook all the way home. She shook under the power of God all the way home. And she said for three days she could not speak to me about the things that happened in this room. She was shaking under the power of God. She said, I don't know what happened in this room. I don't know all of it. She said, but I'll tell you one thing. She said, I got a different daughter. Her and her mom have been at one another like this. And God began to reveal those things to me. And I started talking to her about her mom and her relationship with her mom. But that girl left that day and she cried all the way home. I didn't have a goosebump experience. That's the process. God turned on a button. He just turned on a button. Can I ask you something here in relation to that printer? Are you turning on the buttons? Or is God turning on the buttons? Are you the one that's sitting there beside the printer like I'm sitting there and I'm trying to figure out what all the processes are? Or in this illustration here, is God turning on the button? You see, this is what I know. If God turns on the button, He knows exactly how to process things. He knows exactly which button to hit. I think sometimes in Pentecostal movements, we end up in a place where we're waiting Oh, man, how do I say that? So how many of you know we've been taught this differently, so we'll, we'll understand this. How many of you know that you can just, when the Lord fills you with the Spirit, you'll have an utterance, and you can just speak that utterance anywhere you're at. You can be in the car, and you can do that. You don't need a Holy Ghost experience to be able to, to do that. You know what I'm saying now, okay? But I think we're like some of the old school Pentecostals were, they needed that feeling before they operated in that place. And are we doing that with what God is doing in our lives? I, I want you to understand something. That, that phrase that David uses sometimes, encounters that change lives, that's what we're about. That's what you're about. You're about encounters that change lives. I'm going to say it another way to you. If your encounters don't change lives, you need to check what's going on with the process. Do you have your hand on the button or does God have his hand on the button? Are you sitting there and, and you're, you're, instead of being prepared, you're paralyzed? I had to get out of the mode of being prepared in the sense of thinking that one day I would reach a place. I had to get into the mode that wherever I'm at on the journey... I'm prepared for whatever God decides to encounter me with. Okay? So I got a friend of mine, I went down to see him the other day, and he trains fighters. And so at the end of the things, he, he's training uh, a certain 
martial art technique, and, and so he trains them how to, how to defend themselves, and he's training people that compete in that. And the one thing he did, he had, he had about 15, 20 people lined up, and, and at the end of the session, he always says, take a knee. And that means you get down on one knee. We're going to have a little talk here. And he'll ask them, what did they learn that day? So he had people that were very skilled and people that were very not skilled. Okay? But the thing that I noticed about him was, and I think it's the thing that makes him successful at what he does, he looked at every one of them as a fighter. When he called on them and he talked to them, because they would talk and he was there in the front, and then one of the guys that was there was the brother of a gentleman that was very skilled and then brother was not skilled. And he looked at him and said, he told him, he said, you're a fighter. He said, you have skill and we're going to bring it out of you. You're a fighter. Your brother didn't get to where he's at overnight. You may look at some other people and you may look at them and say, somehow or another, I want to be there. And that's good. But don't let that defeat you in the place where you're at. You have raw talent. And in the business of, of, of how he trains people, it was interesting to me, was that when he looks at you, he immediately begins to size you up. Where's your strength at? Where you, where's your DNA blessed you at? Some people have broad shoulders. Some people have legs. Some people have height. Some people have, they're, they're, they're fast. And some people are, are slower, but they have a more of a, of a punch. And he begins to size that up and begins to begin to work on you and bring the raw talent out. Don't discount the gift that you have. The gift that you have is yours. God gave it to you. No matter where you're at, he looks at you as a child of God that has what it takes to make things happen. You're his church. You may not be as mature as someone else. You may not be able to walk in a room and perceive everybody's thoughts. That might not be where you are. You might be talking to your kids and suddenly you come across something inside that just generates and you need to have some conversation. That's okay. Because God's changing some lives. You might be in a restaurant somewhere or another and then God deals with you about doing something like paying for somebody's meal. You know? I've never been the guy that wanted to be involved in much of that stuff. I'll just be honest with you, okay? I never wanted to be the guy that wanted to go out there to a stranger and just start something, okay? That's, that's just never been me. But what I have found out is, is when God presents that opportunity, there's something inside that won't quit. Does that make any sense to anybody? I want to just share with you a little story. You know it's in 2 Kings 5, 7. It was Naaman, and he was healed of leprosy. Naaman went to the, went to the uh, king and says, hey, I want, I want to be able to go to the king of Israel and get cured of this disease I got. Naaman was a great man. And so what he did was he went, and then when he carried the letters, the king of Israel says, well, I am I God. And the prophet of God in that day said, send him to me. And when he sent Naaman to the prophet, Naaman, of course, was great in his, in his, in his land. And he was great, and, he was, and God was, was basically doing something with Naaman. He was doing something. He was breaking something. Naaman goes to the 
there to the place and the prophet don't even come out. That really did make him angry. He's not used to being dealt with like that. He's just not used to being dealt with like that. He's about to leave and his servant says, Master, said if, you know, Naaman, what he did, he got a message from the prophet. The prophet sent out a messenger and he said, go down and, and take seven dips into the Jordan and God's going to heal you of leprosy. And Naaman's like, well, what about all these rivers over here in my land? They're a lot cleaner. They're a lot cleaner. Why have I got to go down here this seven times and then this man don't even come out? It's almost like he disrespected that man. I'm going somewhere with this. You just give me a second. Okay, so he, but his servant said to him, he says, hey, he said, if he'd have told you to do something that was great, he said, you would have done it. Let me ask you a question. Man, if God told you to do something that was within your range of what you believed that God would move in, would you do it? But if God steps you out of that range and he says, I want you to do something different, will you do it? Maybe it doesn't look as pretty. Maybe the water's a little dirtier. Maybe the, you didn't get the, conf the, the, the confirmation that you wanted, but God is doing something on the side over here. And if he had told you to do something really great, maybe you would have stepped into it. Maybe you're not that person at all. I don't know. Maybe if God put you in front of people, you would have handled it differently if you're the person that wants to be in front of people. Or maybe if God does something different. Maybe God just takes you out of your zone for just a moment. Just a moment. He takes you out of your zone. But then God looked at, the, at Naaman. He says, if he had told you to do something great, he said, you would have done it. And that's when he figured out his blessing came just in obedience. Maybe you're not the person to lead 5,000 souls at one time. But maybe you're the person that leads one person. One person. Do you know it was only one person that led Billy Graham to the Lord? One person that led him to the Lord. One person. I mean, look at all the millions of people that Billy Graham affected. And one man, one man obeyed God and led him to the Lord. Maybe you're the one guy. Maybe you're not the Billy Graham that's going to reach millions of people, but maybe you're the one guy that God is using to reach one person. I know I've been all around this thing, and I know that. And I can tell you, you'll be getting out early today, unless the Spirit of God gives me something else. And I don't have a religious spirit about me when it comes down to that. I don't have a magic number, 12 o'clock, we've got to go there. If God is not in this thing, then I will shut it down and let you go beat the, I'd almost say something, beat everybody else to the, to the restaurant. <laughs> Lord, help me. He checked me right there. I said, Lord, I can't, I can't go there. <laughs> that was, whoo, that was close. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't need to say everything that pops in your head. Just, just tell you that, okay? I want to go back. I'm going to share a little bit of a clip of something that I, of, just a clip of a conversation I had with somebody one time. And it's where God just began to change me. Not because I necessarily think God is doing this thing in me. I don't know. There's things of it I don't know. I had a person that asked me a question one time. 
And they said, what does it look like for God to use me in this capacity? We were, we were discussing the word of knowledge. I said, what? And this person asked me, said, what does that look like? What does it actually look like? And immediately the Holy Spirit prompted me and I asked this person a question. I said, what would you do if you walked in a room in 10 or 12 people and you knew everyone's thoughts? Now, you may think I'm crazy, okay? But this scripture right here tells me Jesus walked in places and he knew everyone's thoughts. He knew their reasonings. What would you do? You see, we're waiting for something to happen. We're waiting for something to push us. And God is doing something inside of us. You see, we're waiting for some kind of manifestation. That doesn't mean that you take everything that you think and that you think is God and start plowing through it like it is God. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean is you need to learn the process of how God moves through you. Jesus walked into a place and he knew their thoughts and he answered not the words but their thoughts. Maybe God don't use you in that capacity. Maybe God uses you in a different capacity. Maybe you get friends with someone and the Lord begins to open up the relationship and through that relationship you're able to speak into their lives. Maybe that's your process. Okay? But there's a process for each person as to how you connect with other individuals. Maybe God doesn't bring you to the place where you just confront someone and you have no evidence about it, but the Lord just keeps on dealing with you. Maybe that's not your process. But there's a button inside of you that God can press. Maybe He brings you in contact with certain people in a certain way. Whatever that process is, I want you to be aware of it and start listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying because there's a way in which you can connect with people. Okay? That's what I want you to realize. Out of this whole thing that I've been talking about, I want you to understand there's a process. Okay? I was talking to a, a gentleman here and, and the, the, um, the concept of, of street preaching come up. Okay? If God leads me to do that, I'll do that. It's never been my process. Okay? It's never been my process. It doesn't mean that I want to walk away from it and say it's never going to happen. It's just never been. But you know what? There's people that are successful at that. And I don't, I don't look at, at someone that is successful at one thing and another person that doesn't have that ability as if one is good and one is bad. We are different. There are diversities that is in the body of Christ. You will take and reach people in a way that I cannot reach them. I mean, the most amazing thing about David List is whenever I walk into a place with him and I start watching him. Because I don't have this process and I know I don't. He can sit in a place and in, in, in 10 minutes he'll have, he'll have two or three people that he's been able to meet. I can go in a restaurant, literally this is the truth. I go to Starbucks most days, almost 364 days out of the year. I like their coffee, okay? I don't get the, the, the really expensive, I just get a cup of coffee. It's just a, it's my thing, all right? I go into Starbucks. Do you know, I went into Starbucks almost a year and not a single person that waited on me knew my name. Not a single person. Why? I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. It may make a difference to you, but the girl that waited on me knew exactly who I was. She knew exactly what my order was and she every single morning put the order there. 
But she didn't know my name. Do you know something? David List cannot walk in a restaurant one time without somebody knowing his name and he'll know where they went to school at. He'll know everything about them. He'll know where their parents are from. It's his process though. It's not mine. I'm not sitting around looking at him wishing I was there. I'm not doing that. This is what I know. He is connecting with people for a purpose. And when the purpose comes, he has already made the connection. The little girl that was in the uh, truck stop. So he, he was down there at the truck stop in Kenley. And it was amazing. Because he goes in and this girl's struggling. To get the order. It's her first day. And so he starts talking with her. Interchanges with her. And he told her, he said, it'll get better. He goes back, I think a second time or something. But you know what? That girl came to this church, didn't she? That girl came to this church. And he connected with her. That's the way it happens with him. I can't carry him nowhere and nobody not know him. I mean, really. I went to Charlotte one time and we were in Charlotte. We were there at Wendy's or something. And he goes in there. And, I mean, we're in Charlotte. Come on. That's like putting you out in the middle of the ocean. You're just in a sea of people. He walks into Wendy's and he's sitting there and this, we're standing there and this girl in front of us is standing there looking at the menu. And because of her physical features, he knows she's from a certain area in Africa. So he speaks to her. Well, she kind of shied away a little bit. But then he says, what part of Africa are you from? And she just looked at him. And the moment she spoke, he, he knew where she was from. He spoke to her in her language, and everything changed. And I just looked at him. I said, dude, I said, this is absolutely ridiculous. Not only was she from a certain part of Africa, she was somewhere near where his family ministers. I mean, Charlotte, come on. It's strange, isn't it? But it's the phenomena that he encounters. I don't encounter that. What I encounter is I can be sitting behind a desk and when that, when that push comes in the inside and it pushes and he keeps on pushing and suddenly I'm looking at a paper and I don't see what's in front of me no more. I don't care who's sitting there. It's just a difference in the way God moves. I could care less if you were a doctor, a president, or if you are a street guy that just come off the street. It don't make any difference at that point because I'm not dealing with you no more. I'm dealing with this on the inside. I'm dealing with a push on the inside. That's the button that God pressed inside of me. What I've had to learn is to understand that that button doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. He has the gift inside of me and it presses inside of me. Now, David, he's going to know everything about the person before he probably says anything. That's just the difference. I want to know something today. Are you pressing the button? Are you learning about the process? Because I can tell you, if you're the one pressing the button, you're not learning about the process. God has to press the button inside of you to turn you on. I know where I'm at in time, and we're going to be out of here, excuse me, in just a few moments. This button that I'm talking about, I just want you to understand, it's not the same for everybody. Okay, Jesus walks in a room, he perceives the thoughts. Some people walk in a room and they connect with everybody in the room. 
I can walk in a room and sit down at a restaurant and there's not a single person that's going to know my name whenever I leave. I'll guarantee you that. I've done it all my life. Okay? The person that waits on me is not going to know my name. It just doesn't work that way with me. And I'm okay with that. I am okay because I understand where I'm at in my gifting and where God has got me at. Okay? But you, you have people that you can reach. You have a special way of reaching those people. It doesn't mean that you have to go out there and be the guy that brings a, a track and you're so cold about it that nobody can understand what you want to say. You know what I'm saying? You ever had that? It was almost like someone just kind of, they did their duty for the day. I had a guy give me a track at the restaurant one day and I handed it back to him. I did. I wanted to confront where he was at with it. He handed me that track as if I was unsaved. It was a, it was a newborn. You know, somebody knew, it was for new, someone's never been saved. And I thought to myself, you have no discernment. You have nothing inside of you. You're just giving that out just because that meets your quota for the day. I'm not about meeting a quota. I'm about encountering someone and changing their life. You can take the quota all day long. It don't work the same way in the kingdom of God. You can hand out all those tracts, but it doesn't mean you're going to get so many sales. In the corporate world, it's a numbers game. You hand out so much stuff and you'll get so many people. It's, it's an equation. they got it figured out. But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way. You have to make a spiritual connection with someone. You have to, to, have to walk into a place and suddenly you feel something on the inside. There's something on the inside that changes inside of you. Don't be afraid to walk there. God's going to bring this church right here to a place where all of a sudden you're encountering people and you're changing lives. That's where you need to be. Where you're changing lives. Because I'm telling you right now, uh, I'm going to quit with this. As soon as I figure out how to say it. I had to ask myself a question at some point in my relationship with the Lord. Um, I had to ask myself, do I value what he values? Do I really value what he values? Do I really have his value system inside of me? Do I value the people that's in front of me? Do I see them as Jesus would see them? Do I place the value that he placed on them? Does it matter to me? Now, So different callings look at different things different ways, and I realize that. I want to I insert that truth. But in the, all the callings of God, there is a value system that Jesus placed on the human soul. He gave his life for the human soul. No matter where you're at on the scope of what you're called to do, my question to you is a very simple, sobering question. Do you value the person in front of you if they were to go to hell they were to lose their life and not know Jesus. Do you value that? Is that your value system? It's not about it's, it's, mm, paralyzed or prepared. Which one are you? It's not about, it's, uh, wow. It's not about what I can learn. It's about what I can experience. Learning is experiencing. If you're not experiencing 
I'm just going to say it. You're not learning. That's the only way I know how to say it. You're not learning. If you're not going through the steps of learning what God does inside of you that reaches the, the lost, if you're not going through that process where God uses you and you're learning how to operate in that, okay, if you're not experiencing that, I just, I don't, I don't think you're learning. I don't, I don't know that you're learning. I think, you know, you've got to learn the process because this is the thing, though. This is the thing. No matter how you look at it, every major revival had something that was at the end of the result. People come to know Jesus. Every single one of them. No matter what it was, if it was the healing revival, if it was the prophet's revival, if it was the apostles that was coming and moving, every single one of them had an end result. People come to know Jesus. The reason why they come to know Jesus is because they experienced God. If you come in contact with people and you can bring them an experience of God, it changes their lives. It changes their lives. Let's just stand. I know you're getting out of here early. You're going to beat all the other folks to the restaurant. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know how this ministers to you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know. I hope you don't take this and go some kind of personal place with it. It's not meant like that at all. It's just meant that God has really been messing me up in a good way and dealing with me about how I interact with others and dealing with me about am I in a silo? Am I in a, a, a silo, which is in corporate world, it's when you, you just do everything from here you know, you got your own frame of mind. And, or am I listening to the Holy Spirit? And am I willing to take and let Him push the button and me not push the button? That's just the thing I, I'm, I'm with that day. Father, I thank You, Lord, for the, for the Jesus in me. And I thank You, Lord, for the Jesus in these people, Lord. As we move forward, Lord, let us go into a place where we encounter people for the very purpose of changing lives. I pray, God, that you would activate the anointing of God within people, Lord. Lord, that you would just cause people, Lord, as they're sitting at their places wherever they go to eat at, Lord, or their, their interactions, that, Lord, that you would just birth, birth this thing inside of them, this little nudge, Lord, that says, maybe, maybe I need to do this, or maybe I need to do that. Maybe, Lord, we're not the guy taking the 40-foot ladder down, to, down the, uh, the middle of the aisle, but maybe we're the person that reaches out in a way that is different and unfamiliar to us. And God, and maybe in this process, you're teaching us how you want to flow in our lives. And maybe it's different, Lord, in Jesus' name. I just pray, God, that you would just bless us in our encounters with other people, Lord, to the point that we can bring change, the Holy Ghost change to their lives in Jesus' name. <laughs>